Nate's come out with another awesome tool for the swimming community. It's called Swim Nerd Live, and it allows the data and times from your actual scoreboard to be broadcast and viewed in real time on any smart TV, phone, or other device. It has all the information you're looking for, event, heat, lane, name of swimmer, times and places. One click on any device and they're watching your swim meet live in real time. Go to swimpractice.com to learn more. Okay, Sarah Dunleavy, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Now, listen, uh, what are you up to these days? Where are you right now? Yeah, so I am in Northern California in Folsom. Um, I'm currently, I'm still coaching. I've actually been more involved with the club side of things. So my fiance, Rob, is the head coach at Sierra Marlins and they're a gold medal program here and they're kicking butt, doing a great job. So it's been a good experience to see a different part of swimming. Um, I'm also doing recruiting consulting. So I work with his kids on the recruiting process, help them with their lists, help them kind of navigate um, the process. And that's also been very interesting seeing the other side of it from being a college coach and recruiting. Nice. Well, I like that. Um, well, it's good. Well, the, the reason why I wanted to talk to you is because, you, you know, you and I have a relationship where we kind of go back and forth and, and um, catch up with each other from time to time. And, and I've seen you, you know, throughout your career from where you started to where, where it was at Cal. And you kind of had this um, rise through the college ranks that would be a dream for, for most coaches, you know, um, any, any um, male or female, but especially the female side of things. And that's kind of what I wanted to touch on today is like, um, you know, how you, how you found that climb, um, what were the challenges in there? How, um, what was it like once you got to Cal and, and your expectations of being at one of the premier um, universities and working for one of the top coaches in Terry McKeever and then why you decided to leave that? Um, and then also explore kind of how we keep women in coaching because there's obviously a, a shortage. Um, so just get kind of get your opinion on all that stuff. That sound good? Yeah, yeah it's great. So just tell me your background then. So in terms of swimming, where did it start for you? Yeah, so I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and um, kind of the typical, you know, swimmer background was swimming since I was eight or nine. And I was able to swim at Purdue, went to Purdue, had a great experience there. And I, I've always kind of known I wanted to coach. So since a young age, I've been really into the sport, like super nerdy, read like any book on swimming, you know, anything I could consume. I, I just loved it. So um, John Klinge, my coach at Purdue, was really instrumental in, in kind of helping me take that step after college. And helped me find different opportunities. I knew I wouldn't be able to volunteer coach because my parents, you know, supported me through college and they're like, yep, like you got to figure this out. So uh, we were able to find a grad assistantship at Illinois State, which unfortunately there's not many of those anymore, but um, that's kind of how I got the foot, my foot in the door and just kind of went from there. I was able to get a job at Kentucky really young. I was 22 when I got that job and kind of a whirlwind from there up, up to um i went to pit to try to be back home and then ended up at cal all right well that's that's the overview you jumped you jumped around. oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fine that's good but in terms of coaching why why coaching then um 
swimming's just always been something I'm super passionate about. You know, in college, I was an average athlete, I'd say at best. Um, so I knew like why would wasn't, you say that? Um, I would say that because you know I was like a junior national qualifier, spring national qualifier when that existed. Um, Did you feel like you, know, you just didn't have the talent that some of the other girls had? Yeah, maybe. I think. Um, so my training in high school, we did a lot of yardage. I think, you know, we lifted, I was kind of feeling a little burnt out even by the time I got to college right. and I had big aspirations. I was a really good trainer. Like I could train with the best of them. And I just, after my sophomore year was never, n- nothing really clicked. And I kind of just, I don't want to say I gave up, but right. It, get, it gets frustrating. And um, what were your events? Um, so I was kind of, floated all over the place but primarily 200 400 i am okay so you were you were in the work group you were doing work yeah i was doing work <laughs> for <laughs> sure and i liked it i mean i loved that um and we worked you know with john so um but i knew like i wanted to be around this sport forever i just i had this passion for it i mean john could see it anybody i've worked for i hope could see that and just um kind of knew that's what I was meant to do, so to speak. Were you doing some coaching, you know, in a roundabout way while you're in college? Were you coaching people around you? Yeah, I think so. Um, so for an example, my best friend from college and we're best friends today, she's going to be the maid of honor of my wedding is Ariel, uh, now Hume and Martin at the time, she was a really great swimmer at Purdue for us. And she scored at NCAAs, I believe, if not, she definitely scored top eight at big tens. And we would train together all the time. So like that was kind of, I reached a point where I felt like that was kind of my role in trying to support, you know, the team to be the best it could be. I was a captain in my senior year, which was a great experience. Um, And, you know, I was fine with that role. Like I realized kind of my place, everybody makes an impact in a different way. And that's kind of what I've carried into coaching. Like you may not be the Abby White's at Cal, but if you're on this team you're gonna you know make a contribution you're gonna make an impact whatever that might be um so that was a good teaching moment i guess along the way did you get a chance to swim at ncaa's i did not okay nope. so each year you would you would just swim at the conference mm-hmm. yep i actually so i'm i actually didn't make the conference team my senior year so i i went to big tens my first three years and then didn't make the team my last year. So wouldn't, I mean, normally most people would be kind of put off from swimming, would, would want to run away from it in, with that, you know, because w- when you're swimming, you want the, the only, um, you know, outcome that you really want is to be at the big show and to be competing and have a chance sure. to really show yourself. So why wasn't that discouraging for you? It definitely was. <laughs> I mean, it was discouraging and trust me that that was a hard time for me then. Um, I tried to look at it and I had this conversation with John before I went into coaching because there was a part of me that was like, I'm done. I don't want to do this. You know, I just want to move on and and not be involved. I didn't have the career I thought I would. Um, But John, fortunately, like saw something in me that he felt like I would be a great coach. And we had some conversations before I graduated and I had other opportunities. Like I majored in advertising and I'm like, well, I have this pretty good job. Like, should I, you know, why would I turn that down to do this? And he's like, you've always wanted to do this. 
I talked about it since my freshman year at Purdue. And, and he's like, I think you would be really, really good at this. And, um, you know, also a conversation of how my frustrations and disappointments would help me be a good coach. Right. So I think sometimes when you have the perfect career and you go into coaching, you don't always know how to help people that are really frustrated or can't quite click, or they have great training practices. And then it doesn't relate in the meet because you've never been there. Um, so that was definitely an asset in terms of coaching, you know, at the time it was frustrating and hard, but once I got in my, my foot in the door and coaching, it was really helpful. What did you learn really early in terms of coaching that you maybe didn't expect that you, that was a lot tougher for you than just thinking, oh yeah, I want to be a coach. Now that you're a coach, like what were the things that were challenging Mm -hmm. for you? Yeah, I think just, you know, before I got to Cal, I'd always been the, like the only female on staff. So particularly like the emotional part of it, I never, um, was super emotional. I felt like as an athlete in terms of like, I need to go in and, you know, I need to tell my life story to the, to the coach or like need to complain about this or I'm struggling with that. So it was kind of a surprise to me in my first year coaching, like, you know, every day someone's coming in with an issue and confiding in you about something. And I really enjoyed that part of coaching, but I definitely didn't expect it to be as, um, you know, as big of part of the job as it was, I'm, you know, you're trying to get recruiting stuff done or itineraries done or workouts done. And, and you obviously want to give people time when they come in and, and they're struggling with something. So that was definitely something I did not think about at first. Right. Yeah. There's that emotional side of it as well. It's like, <laughs> they're, they're not just robots. They're, they're, people. Right. <laughs> they're human and they want to, they want to have an outlet too, you know? So I guess they saw you as the outlet in terms of um, coaching knowledge. How did you develop that? How did you, how did you, you know, figure out the type of coach that you ultimately wanted to be? Trial and error. Um, So my first, you know, job was at Illinois state and Steve Pasco was the head coach at the time. And he was like, so passionate. His swimmers loved him. and, And I still have a great relationship with Steve and, and that kind of got me, you know, re-sparked and invigorated in the sport in a sense of like, this is really fun, right? And every place I've been, I've learned a lot about what I would want to do or not do, would mm-hmm. I end up being a head coach or even a higher level, like assistant or associate head coach. Um, and there's things that I did early on in my career that I would never do now, you know, like I was, again, young at Kentucky and was kind of encouraged to be harder, like really hard on people, right? Because I'm young and I need to command respect where that's not really my personality. That's not how I operated at Cal. So just like anything else, you ask questions, you learn. Um, I'm a big, like, obviously at the right time, ask a lot of questions. I, you know, love to listen to your podcast, like about swimming. I love reading. I love just, there's no point where I feel like you're done evolving or being becoming a better coach that's a good point what, what are you getting from my podcast that you feel now that we're talking and and yeah. i'm talking to you what could you pass on that if you're the one listening that you'd want to hear sure i think just um a huge variety of perspective right because you're not just talking to college coaches you've talked to club coaches you've mm-hmm. interviewed um, olympians you know you've had athletes from all over the world that have different experiences when you're talking to 
Sarah the other week, like the fact she's never done a power tower was like, <laughs> what? Like, yeah, you know? Crazy. Um, so I, yeah, I've, I think you just gain different perspectives mm-hmm. and you learn there's not one way to skin a cat. Like there's a lot of different ways to go about things and um, be successful. So in terms of climbing the ladder as a coach, did you, did you see it as that? Like, okay, I'm going to get to this point and then I'll move on to this team and then that'll be a stepping stone to the next. Did you look at it as a ladder for you? I actually did not at all. So, um, at Kentucky, it was a new staff and, um, you know, like, just like a lot of coaches, like you're just go, 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 go. We'd have seven recruiting weekends in the fall back to back, which I was in charge of recruiting. And I was on the road at least twice a month. I was feeling pretty burnt out after three years and the job at Pitt opened up and I knew John Hargis a little bit. Um, my family's all in Pittsburgh. I thought, okay, like this could be a great opportunity to coach and have some more balance being near my family. So that's mm-hmm. why I took that job. Um, and then Terry, I just by chance I met her. And I think this is such an important point of networking. I didn't want to bug her or anything, but I just, I went up to her one time, I introduced myself. I forget exactly what I said. And two months later, she was looking for an assistant coach and she called me and, um, I was really clear with her what I was looking for. You know, I think of it now, some of the things I said to Terry on the phone before I even had an interview, I was like, well, for me to think about this, I'm going to need X, Y, Z. This is what I'm looking for. And um, she was actually about to go to world championships in Budapest, like in three days. And I had been looking at another job and I verbally committed to that job. Um, So I was like, I need to see campus before I commit and I need to commit to this job. So you're going to have to fly me out there tomorrow. And she actually (laughs) did. So I like think that I said that to Terry now I'm like, oh my gosh, but she really respected that. Um, but my point being like everything just kind of happened. It, it was never, I was trying to do a certain thing. I've always been pretty um, set in decision-making in terms of like, this is what I need now and this is what's best for me. So this is like going to be my next step. When I was the head coach at Auburn, you know, I had, um, basically four positions. So I I was the head coach and then I had a a diving position. So that was, you know, that's not a swimming position, but I had four basically assistant positions. So I knew within that um, I wanted to have some balance, obviously. And and I, and I, I certainly wanted to have a female on staff. And I think that's kind of the general way that most head coaches will look at it is like, we understand that there are more male coaches out there. All right. That that's obvious, but it's also important to have balance when you have a, a, a men's team and a, and a women's team to have a female who can connect with the women as well. So do you, as a woman realize there's a shortage of female coaches out there? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And that was something that was, constant for me of like, how can I bring in somebody with experience? How can I bring in somebody that can um, command the respect that is needed with, with a team like this? Um, and, and so when I was doing my searching, it was, it was very difficult. It was, it was mm-hmm. one of those situations where there's like a lot of the good women were already in great positions. And then, and then there was this huge gap between 
you know, women that didn't have much experience. So it was like the experienced and then the very um, little experience. And there was not much in between. And so how do we address that as, as, as women? How do you, how do you answer that problem? That's good. Wow. That's a good question. Um, I think it's a few things. I mean, I think for one, I was really fortunate at at Kentucky and Pitt and even Illinois state. Like I was given the opportunity to write workouts, to run my own group. And again, going back to like, that's how you learn, right? You need Mm -hmm. trial and error. You need to kind of figure it out. You need to have some failures along the way. And, you know, I haven't been a head coach, but I feel like the experience I've had I was able to figure out what I would want to do. Um, and speaking with some of, you know, younger women in particular, when I was younger or now I still keep in touch and there's some younger coaches I even coach that are, that are out there. There's frustrations that they, you know, they're doing the recruiting. They're doing a lot of the administrative stuff. They're, you know, doing a lot in the office, but they're not really getting opportunities to write workouts. They're not given mm. opportunities to run a group and, they could be somewhere for 10 years and seem like they have really great experience. Like, Oh, I, you know, I'm just going to use Cal as an example. I was able to write workouts, but say I wasn't, you're at Cal for 10 years and then you get the job at Texas, you're expected to succeed. Right. Mm. Um, and that's not always the case. And, and I think it's getting better. I mean, you see like Wisconsin, Yuri has multiple women on staff and, um, Gosh, I know there's, Mm -hmm. there's a few others out there now, like in the power five that have multiple women on staff, which wasn't the case even five years ago. So I'm hopeful that, um, you know, women are getting more opportunities to actually write workouts, to plan cycles, to, you know, practice rest tapers and things like that. Because in my experience, a lot of my close friends have gotten out of it because they're just frustrated. They don't get those opportunities. Mm, that's a really good point. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's, that's interesting. You know, I, I want to know from the women's perspective, when you guys get together, you know, what do you, what do you talk about? <laughs> where are the struggles? And so um, that's a really good point. Are there other things that you talk about in terms of the struggle? Um. It's so it's actually hard. I thought about this a lot before we we spoke because I I feel like I'm in a unique position where a lot of my mentors are men, a lot of people that I've really relied on for advice and for help and who have been kind of my, you know, cheerleaders along the way happen to be men. So I've had a different experience in that a lot of men have like uplifted me and, and been very supportive. And Terry and talked was- about that herself. And when, when I spoke to her mm-hmm. on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, really until I went to Cal, I got to meet, you know, like Susan Teeter and Kathy Wickstrand and all these trailblazers who, who were in the sport, but I never really had, you know, known many along the way. So I don't know if that really answers your question, but I just think it's, it's even hard for me to address those answers because I don't, I've always felt very supported overall by men in the sport. And I know that's not the case for everybody. Um, I think it's just younger women in particular who are in coaching, like not being afraid to reach out or network or go up to, um, you know, a coach on pool deck, you know, a Steph Williams at Georgia or whoever, at the right time, you know, not at finals at NCAAs and just say, hi, like I'm so-and-so I would love to, to get in touch. 
And that could probably really go a long way for somebody who maybe feels more isolated or doesn't have the mentors or people supporting them. Now, I understand that there is kind of a women's group where where some women get together. Um, is mm-hmm. it, you know, talk to me about that. I don't fully understand it because obviously it's a women's group. But I mean, is there a, uh, a situation where um, the women are getting together and, and um, figuring out how to support each other? Yes. So um, when I was at Pitt, I was invited into the summit. So typically they're called like summits and there's, I don't know how many of them, there's quite a few. Um, And within these summits, you get together like once a year and you kind of just talk about, it's not just primarily around women's issues, but that's obviously involved in, in struggles. And a lot of it is, you know, women who have children and, and how they're trying to balance that and, and, kind of getting more women in the sport. Um, <laughs> and I'm hesitant to say this because I think they're great in so many ways. And I also think they can be a little bit isolating to women who aren't like invited into one, right. Mm-hmm. Or they're not involved. And it's a little intimidating before I was invited into one, I was kind of like, Oh, like I didn't quite feel like I fit in. So my point to that would be, I think there needs to be a lot more like women supporting women and I think you need to keep maybe the summit things because they are beneficial in a lot of ways. Um, I just think there needs to be more of them or there needs to be, um, you know, it's more inclusive. I wish I had the answers. I could probably help a lot of people, but um, that was my personal experience. Like before I got invited into that summit, again, I was relying on a lot of my personal mentors, like from John and, and my club coach and Steve. So um, they weren't necessarily women I was turning to. Yeah. Right. Well, talk to me about this then. So you, you, you finally reach one of the top, um, schools in the country and, and working for a female, um, Terry McKeever and, and working at Cal. Um, first of all, talk to me about the experience of, of how that was in terms of all the positive and, you know, the great things about working uh, for mm-hmm. Cal and, and finally making it to the top of an assistant tree. Yeah, Cal was awesome. I mean, um, I think, well, I know there's some assumptions, you know, that I was like fired or, you know, Terry and I didn't get along and I couldn't handle it or whatever. And um, it was really quite the opposite. I had a great, great experience at Cal. I I worked really well with Terry. We had a great relationship, Um, you know, American records, world records, like things I had never experienced. And then just seeing how Terry, you know, if you listen to Terry's podcast that you did with her, I think that comes across like self-growth and development and asking for help and those types of things. Those were things I was never, um, I have great experiences from other programs I've been, but that was really the separator is the time that Terry spends outside of the pool on really team culture and just self-growth is, is pretty impressive. What were some of your roles that she gave you at Cal? Yeah. So Terry gave me a lot of responsibility at which uh, I'm very grateful for, you know, I was in charge of recruiting Um, I did like all of our compliance care and that kind of thing. I did recruiting weekends. I was the the head point of that. Terry and I didn't have specific groups, but she did let me write workouts. So, you know, one Monday, every Monday, say we do, I am in the afternoon. I might take the, I am group one Monday. She'd take it the next Monday. And then 
the other person had freestyle. So, um, she was much more of a, um, you know, she liked to write workouts down on paper where a lot of coaches that I've worked for have, you know, we type our workouts up and you give them to the, to the team. And, and she wants people to listen and really be paying attention. And, um, that took me a little bit to catch on to, but, um, pretty much anything I, I would say I had, a, um, you know, roles within a lot and, you know, almost everything that was going on at Cal. Did you have the freedom to be able to meet with athletes one-on-one? Yep. Okay. Nice. Excellent. Good stuff. All right. Talk to me about the struggles then. Obviously you stopped working at Cal, you know, Mm -hmm. when, when most people would think, Oh, wow, you've made it and you're, you're there and you're breaking world records, like you said, and you're, you know, you're contending for NCAA titles. So where were the struggles within that? Sure. And like, not to like throw you for a loop here, but, um, you know, when I left, there was this narrative that I, and I was a part of that, that, you know, I was leaving to pursue other interests and, um, to be quite frank with you, you know, I was really struggling just personally, like mental health. I was, um, you know, at Cal, I was loving the Bay area. I, you know, met my now fiance, but I just really wasn't happy. And, Mm -hmm. um, my first year at Cal, I would say was like, I was doing a kick-ass job. Right. And my second year, I just, I wasn't myself. I wasn't showing up in the way I wanted to show up. And that kind of was a red flag for me of like, I need to make a change. And my family being in Pennsylvania and um, Rob at the time was two hours away. If you don't hit traffic in California. So I just kind of felt isolated, even though I had like this great job and Terry was very supportive that ultimately for me, it was the right choice at that time just to take a break. Um, And I wish I could have been more authentic with that when I left, because I think it's really important to, you know, use any platform to raise awareness on mental health. And I know like Michael Phelps has really gotten out there and the weight of gold and, and a lot of things on the athletes, but I think it's a huge thing in coaching as well. Mm, yeah, I agree with that completely. And I've had conversations with Sergio Lopez who's pretty open with it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had my own struggles with it at Auburn. It's just that you get, you get so burnt out. Um, and in terms of, and, and people always say to me like, Oh, you had this dream job. You're making all this money. And it was like, that's where everybody wants to be. I'm like, you don't understand that it takes everything, you know, everything. And, um, there were, there were Sundays where I'd wake up and I'd, I'd be dreading to look at my phone because it'd be like, I don't want to see if there's something there, you know, like what happened last night, you know, it was like, you know, and I always struggle with the fact that we were, and, and I'm just going to throw this out there. We would send kids to war, right? At age 18 and they would go and fight for their country. And I would have a look at the majority of the deaths in Iraq or Afghanistan. And when you look at the people that are getting killed for um, fighting for their country, they're 19, 20, 21, 22 years old. Like the majority of the people that were, you know, sacrificing their lives for their country were young people. And yet here we were, I was a head coach of a team of, of kids between the age of 18 to 22. And it's like they had this free pass to act 
however they wanted to act and do whatever they wanted to do because they were in college and that was their experience. And I was thinking to myself, there are people out there fighting for us, for our freedom and dying for our freedom. And here you are acting like you've got a free pass for four years and to do whatever you want to do because you're in college. And I just really struggled with that fact. That was me personally, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but it was just, uh, it's, it's all encompassing. Like once you're mm -hmm. in it, there's no breaks. Like you're, you don't have any time off and, and what you were dealing with at Cal and what I was dealing with at Auburn is, you know, you deal with an NCAA season, but then you have, uh, a, um, an international season that goes the right. whole summer. So you go from mm -hmm. one season directly into the next. And we had international athletes just like you did at Cal you know, you had Farida Osman, let's say, who's, who's representing Egypt. And she's like, okay, I've got to go to my trials and then I've got to go to this meet and then I'm going right. to do this. And, I'm, and it's like, you've got all these programs that are going all over the place and this room is doing this and that room is doing that. And it's just nonstop. And that's the mm -hmm. way I felt about it. Yeah, no, me too. I mean, I think going back to two, like the emotional part of it is 18 to 22, these kids are going through everything, right? Like some people lose a parent or, you know, they have their own issues with depression or anxiety or an eating disorder, or, um, you know, they break up with a boyfriend or, mm. and, and they're coming to you about those things. And I, I, I have compassion, you know, so th those things would really get to me. Um, and I, I felt like I was wasting more time worrying about some of those things. than I was like, trying to maintain my own relationship, you know, <laughs> and like, and, and working on other parts of my life, because I just would consume myself with that. And it's mm -hmm. really, I mean, that, that, that kind of, those things would really affect me um, when I would get home and I just couldn't shut it off, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, now that I've been out of it a little bit, it, I think, you know, I have better perspective on it of how, how to do that. But until I kind of was able to totally just get out of it and, and be in like, quote unquote, normal life, I never was able to see that like, there could be any kind of balance or any kind of separation. I had a really hard time um, separating my job from anything else. And if I spent time with my partner, I felt like I would, you know, and I see a recruit calling me at dinner, who's a pretty mm -hmm. good recruit. I'm like, Oh, like, am I going to lose this recruit because I don't answer the mm -hmm. phone right now? Um, and I think a lot of coaches deal with that. I just had to make a decision that, you know, my priorities right now are different than, um, you know, being here. And, you know, I, I'm a pretty good decision maker. Like once I make a decision, I go with it and I, I don't regret it. I just, you have to move forward with the decision you make. And for me at the time, that was the right decision. Yeah. Look, I, I've gotten out of college coaching. I've talked to people like Greg Troy, who, who have gotten out as well. Um, and then I've, I've spoken to other people who are still in it. And yeah. I think a lot of coaches put up this facade of like, you know, I've got it all under control and everything, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy and we're successful and we're productive. But there's a lot of stress on coaches. There's a lot of um, uh, it's very, very tough for coaches to have any type of balance and just you know the example of what you just said in terms of just having dinner and a, and a recruit calling you is like you've got to make that decision of like 
do I leave this or do I pick it up? And right. you know, 99% <laughs> of the time you're going to be like, I'm picking this up. I've got to, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's intrusive and there's, there's no way around it. So I'm not, I'm not bashing on college swimming, but it's certainly, um, it's, there's a, there's a cost to, to what totally. you're doing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, just meeting new people outside of swimming, right? Like they have no concept that, you know, for an example, when I moved to Sacramento from Berkeley and I was looking at new jobs, you try to explain all the ins and outs of what, what you did at your job as a coach. But I think ultimately people kind of just see it as, Oh, like you, you coach athletes and you give them a set, but um, all of us know that's not true. Right. And I think beyond like mental health, just, um, like diet. And I think like drinking, (laughs) there's a lot of other ways coaches cope with, with their schedules. And, um, it's not the healthiest lifestyle in my opinion. And I, would love to see that change. Um, but you know, I, I've talked to a lot of coaches since I've gotten out, it's been really surprising to me how many people have reached out men and women who say, you know, I'm feeling this way. Do you miss it? Like, what are your, you know, do you regret it? Like, I'm, I'm kind of thinking I might want to do something else or, you know, I've shared a little more of my story and they're like, yeah, like I, I feel like I'm running myself into the ground and I'm, I'm not very happy, you know? (laughs) So, um, I definitely think there's a greater issue out there in in terms of just health and mental health and, and, and coaches, not just athletes. I know we advocate for our athletes, but we need to advocate for ourselves too. Yeah. And then that's the thing. A lot of times when I talk to, or even interview some of the top coaches, they, they make it out that they're only going to tell you the good stuff, right? And they're going to tell mm-hmm. you how great everything's going. But the reality is coaching has changed dramatically. And, and even just in the last couple of years, in terms of um, the expectations of college coaches with recruiting, you know, even recruiting's changed where it's now they're recruiting sophomores, I believe, like 15 year olds, you know, it's like, why are we recruiting a 15 year old who's going to come to college three years from now? Um, but that's, that's the way it's going. And, um, and it's super competitive. And it's got to the point where negative recruiting where you where you recruit against somebody in a yeah. negative way is become the norm. Now, it's like, yes. oh, this person sucks and that coach sucks and this program sucks and this is why we're better. And it's like, we've gone away from talking about our programs and now we're talking about how bad other programs are in order to shine a light on how great our programs is. It's it's got really nasty as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with you a hundred percent. When I got into college coaching and whatever, 2012, 2013, even I loved recruiting. Like I loved going and doing home visits. I loved building relationships. I felt like it was much more about finding the right fit of kid who not only was at the talent level you wanted, but like bought into the same things that your program was bought into, or like you got to learn what, you know, their family values were. You just got to know them at a better level than now. I think it's such a, you know, race to, get the best athlete, the best recruit, you don't pick up on some of those things and they get to school. It's not a good fit. And now you have the trans transfer portal chaos mm, out there. Yeah. You know, it's like, just leave when you want. Um, and I didn't 
I did not enjoy the way that recruiting was changing and in the way that it was when I left for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That, that whole transfer portal, that's a whole nother (laughs) beast. (laughs) I don't want to even go near. That's terrible. I think if you're not happy, just, um, you know, go somewhere else, but you don't have to tell anybody that you're going anywhere else. It's just crazy. So, I mean, do you, do you miss college coaching? I mean, for, for me, I wish I could still do it. Like I miss it. You know, I love college coaching, but there's no way I want to go back to it. You know, like it's a, it's a demon, you know, it takes everything. It takes your whole life. It consumes every aspect of your life. There's no off switch. It's like this light that's above me right now. Like I can turn it on and off college coaching. There's no off switch. It's like you're yeah. on and they don't care. It's like, for me, my, my contract was all right. Um, there's no set holidays. You can take holidays when you want, but, um, you're, you're pretty much on the whole time. You know, it's like, wow. And, um, you know, I wanted to go, I couldn't remember. I wanted to go away for a weekend and the whole team was angry at me because they had to train and I, and I, and then I felt guilty because they had to train and I wanted to go away. So I'd like, I couldn't even take a weekend off away with my, my, wife at the time and my kids because I felt guilty that I was going to leave the team. And and so it was just, it was just all the time. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm bashing on college swimming, but it's just, I wish there was a, an easier way to say there was some balance in there, but there really isn't. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I do, I do miss it a lot. I mean, in some aspects, I really, you know, loved the fast paced environment. I, I liked being busy all the time. I liked being around something I love all the time. And for me, it was like, I reached a certain age, like I said, where I just had, you know, other priorities, but, um, if it was the right situation and the right fit, you know, I would absolutely love to get back into college coaching. Terry and I actually had a great, uh, relationship in the sense that, you know, if we had a really busy fall, um, with recruiting or whatever, it'd be like, well, you know, this Friday, Saturday, I'm going to take off and you're taking off the next Friday, Saturday, or, you know, I'm going to come in on Tuesday morning and you're going to come in on Thursday morning. And, and we, you know, I was again, thankful. She trusted me to, you know, go in on my own or whatever, but I, I feel like there can be some balance there, right? If you are in a single gender program and you have two assistant or sorry, one assistant, and you really trust that person, you know, give them responsibility, let, you know, they're, you want them to get experience and be just as qualified. So give them that opportunity. And I think too many coaches like to be like, so in control that they have to be around for every little thing, or they don't set the precedent with the team of like, you know, this is how it's going to work. And this is why. And I think that's hard to do because they're expected to be there. You're always going to get that one person who's going to make it an issue. You're not there. Um, but that kind of went off, <laughs> off a little bit on that one, but long story short, I think, you know, if, if there could be an opportunity that made, made sense for my life and, and Rob and I, you know, we would absolutely take advantage of it. Well, cool. Listen, I appreciate you sharing a lot today. I mean, there was, there's a lot of learning stuff in there. And I think if people really listen to this, they could, they could get something from it. Um, Are there any other takeaways that you want to leave us with? Oh man. Um, I think just, you know, remember what you're advocating to your athletes in terms of, um, 
you know, take care of yourself and get enough sleep and do, you know, all the things you're telling your athletes, you have to remember to do for yourself. And I think a lot of coaches, um, you know, they're not necessarily doing the things that they're preaching. So that would be my last little takeaway, but, um, I really appreciate the time. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on here and sharing your story and, uh, hopefully, we can get you back into, you know, college coaching again at some point, but uh, for now I'm, I'm glad you're happy and healthy and um, I appreciate you sharing today. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.